Welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Shell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. We're going to Exodus chapter 20. In these weeks, we're going through the Ten Commandments. We have learned that the Ten Commandments, along with all of the law of Moses, and for that matter, the, the prophets, in other words, the entire Old Testament, God is trying to do two things, to teach us to love who? God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and our neighbor as ourselves. These are lessons in how to love, how to love God, how to love people. We have observed that the fir- the, of the Ten Commandments, the first four have to do with loving God. The last six have to do with loving one another. We today are on the fourth of the first four. Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11 is what I'm going to read, but I'm going to actually have you just read with me. I want to kind of have us hear the Ten Commandments over and over enough so that when somebody says, can you recite the Ten Commandments, there would be a chance that it could happen. (laughs) All right? Verse verse 3, just just we'll read just the commandment, not all of the additional material. First of all, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Verse 4, you shall not make for yourself an idol. Verse 7, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Verse 12, honor your father and your mother. Verse 13, you shall not murder. 14, you shall not commit adultery. 15, you shall not steal. 16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And 17, you shall not covet. Oh, yeah. Let's see, where is the um, 17? I'm, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, not his, nor his, your, your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Hallelujah. Father, we ask today that as we look at the Word of God, we would be fed, we would be challenged. Your great two-edged sword would move right into us, separating the soul from the spirit. You'd bring life to us and build us as disciples. Thank you, Lord, for your great care of us. In Jesus' name, I pray that I'll speak so we hear you and not me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. The text we're reading is verse 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male or female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. 
So far in our study of the Ten Commandments, we first learned that God will not allow other gods in our lives. He forces us to choose whether we want his blessing or the help that these other spirits can give. How many decide that God is better than demons? You've got, yeah, it is a better choice, isn't it? Next, we learn that he measures our love for him in part by the way we speak of him. We trouble our lives when we profane his name. If at, if at times we feel the need to say something emphatic, we'd be wise to leave references to him out of our statements. Instead, we should always seek to glorify the name of the Lord we love. Now we turn to the fourth commandment, which says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Sabbath is a much misunderstood concept in the church today. Certain groups have tried to reimpose a legalistic view and argue over which day of the week Christians must go to church. While others have decided the grace given to us in Jesus Christ means we have no obligation to give any day of the week to God. But clearly, neither extreme takes seriously the truth Jesus revealed when he said, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Why don't you read the Lord's statement with me? The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. His statement tells us God gave the Sabbath as an act of kindness because he knew we would need it. He didn't intend to set up a ritual in order to receive glory from our obedience to an arbitrary set of rules. He knew we would need a day of rest and knew it would help us learn to love him. Now, first of all, we'll begin, what is the Sabbath principle? In Genesis is where it is first introduced. It's quoted there in the Ten Commandments, which if you recall, the Lord himself wrote with his own hand. Of, boy, of all the things that uh, you can't quibble with is the Ten Commandments. Moses was instructed to bring two big flat plates of stone up, and God himself wrote with his own hand the Ten Commandments. So <laughs> there's no real quibbling over them, is there? Here in Genesis 2, 1 through 3, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. And then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, means made it holy, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and had made. Now let's look at this. Why did God rest on the seventh day? Was he tired? Did he have a rough time with the six days? You know, he rolled his big sleeves up and a whole new world began. And so there he is making, making uh, elephants and ostriches and all of this kind of stuff. And, and by, the by the seventh day, he's just, oh, man, I can't make one more animal. Oh, I got to take a break. Is, is that what happened? I mean, he rested. Why, why, is, why is that not what he did? I mean, why wasn't he tired after making all that stuff? He's God. And how did he do it? By the Holy Spirit, he spoke the worlds into existence. So it wasn't like he's gone, oh, man, I got to add an ear to that elephant. All he had to do is say, giraffe. Taller, shorter. Spots, good. (laughs) 
He just spoke it into being. So by the seventh day, he's not exhausted. And yet, he rested. He rested. God did not rest because he was tired. He rested to provide a model for us to follow. He was setting a principle into place. From the very foundation of creation. He was saying, he would rest one day out of seven. And like him, we too are to rest one day out of seven. There's a pattern to the way God provides for his people. He works beside us for six days, but on the seventh, he will stop to rest. If I keep on working on the seventh day, I work alone. He's resting. He's saying, this is how I'm going to do it. Six I work, one I get a day off. So you might as well take one too. Because I'm resting on, on my day. There's a day of the week. God isn't helping us labor. Now, there's grace in this, and I, I don't mean to take this in some kind of uh, strange absolutist sense. I don't mean to be superstitious. But he's resting so that we might as well rest too. There is a fact. Some of us are prevented on a particular week. We didn't get to take a Sabbath or we couldn't take a rest because, I mean, we're just prevented from it. That doesn't mean, well, we're, you know, God has simply absolutely abandoned us. No, I don't mean to imply that. However, if there is no Sabbath taking in my life, no resting, I am working without a, a grace. I'm on my own. I really have, I am violating something of the way God functions. In Exodus 16, you don't need to turn there, I'll just remind you, you we've already been through this passage and you recall the, the giving of the manna, that the Israel would wake up in the morning and there would be this gooey carbohydrate film over the desert floor. And as the sun hit it, it would dry into a cracker-like crust, I assume. And they would go out and collect this stuff and put it in baskets. It would appear six mornings of the week. They would go out and there would be this cracker-like crust. And when it, as it dried, they go collect it. On the, if they tried to, to keep it over from one day to the next, store it because they weren't sure there would be that stuff on the ground the next morning, what happened to it? It spoiled and it was full of worms. Somebody said maggoty. That would be a pretty good, I think it was full of nematodes is what I think because I'm a biology background and I know what would be in the desert sand. And so you would be full of, of, of little worms. Wouldn't that be fun? So it didn't preserve, but on the sixth day, the, the manna that they would collect would preserve miraculously through the seventh day. Remember that? God did a miracle so that his people could rest on the seventh. The Sabbath principle is that God will miraculously, God will miraculously provide for you if you will rest. He will do a miracle. We can experience the miracles of God if we rest by faith. You know, God provides built into our, our, our Christian lives basic experiences of faith that we can learn in simple ways to walk in faith with God. The tithe is one. I mean, come on, if you can't believe you'll increase your, 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 your intake by 10%, you haven't much faith. You say, I give 10%, I can't afford to. Oh, so I, I see God can't 
somehow miraculously provide a tenth, huh? One tenth? What a mighty God you serve. You see, so you, you, and anybody who steps out on it, anybody who steps out on it realizes, whoa, this works. And you grow in faith. And the, there's two ways you get faith. One is it's a gift, but that's one of those uh, manifestations of the Spirit at the moment, suddenly, boing, you believe. But that's an event-by-event event situation. There is also a fruit of faith. It grows in you by experience. As you see God's faithfulness, you learn to believe him for more. So those who begin to step out in something and they see him answer just as he said he would, you come out and go, whoa, it works. And you begin to grow in faith. Well, tithing's one of those things. The Sabbath is one of those. God is saying, you can rest. You can rest. I will do a miracle to make up for the lack of income. All the, you're going to get behind in your, your to-do list. I will literally pick up the slack to allow you to rest. Isn't that a kindness? Jesus said the Sabbath was made for us, not us for the Sabbath. This is a gift of God. And it also teaches us a lovely um, understanding of faith, how faithful God is. If we rest, God takes responsibility to make up for that day. Now, why did God establish the Sabbath? First of all, he loves us and wants to spend quality time with us. One of the biggest problems in the human heart is loneliness. We can be in the middle of a crowd. We can be in a family gathering and have this aching loneliness inside. And yet, when the love of God is near, when we feel his presence, you'll find yourself feeling more whole, more bold, more at peace with yourself and life, Unafraid of your oncoming death, all that stuff, just somehow washes it away, doesn't it? When you're close to God, you're okay. I mean, there's a different you. And yet many people live their lives having meaning to, oh, yeah, I, I want to spend time with God. I, I, I would if I could. They'd vote for it in an election. But they don't do it. And so they run dry. They run lonely. They run with this ache inside which begins to accumulate over time and causes, I think, emotional, psychological damage. There's all kinds of trouble that we allow into our lives by not living by faith the principles of God. He loves us and wants to spend quality time with us. Secondly, he knew our human limitations and we need regular physical, mental, and emotional rest to remain healthy. You've been designed a certain way. My car has been designed a certain way. And they give me this operator manual with it. And one of the things it tells me is I'm supposed to change the oil every 3,500 miles. I'm a very busy man. I would love to change the oil. I believe in changing the oil. But you know, I just can't get over there. Now, how many figured that's going to make my car... My car's going to say, well, I would have dirty oil, but you, you, you'd go if you could. And since you're prevented, my oil won't get dirty. That's silly, isn't it? I can have the best explanations as to why I don't go over and get my oil changed, or change it myself, dump it in the backyard. <laughs> I just said that because we're all 
eco-sensitive and I, I have not dumped my oil in my backyard in, in many decades. I remember a day when it didn't pollute anything. Um, your body is like your car. Your body's like your car. You ignore the oil. If I ignore the oil change, the oil's going to get full of this junk and get thin and stop lubricating. The thing's going to burn up and I'm going to have my cylinders lose compression the whole nine yards. No matter what, whether I've got the best excuses in the world as to why I can't take it over and have it changed. Got it? The same thing's true of your body, of your emotions, of you as a person. You may have the best excuses in the world as why you can't follow this principle of God. But it's still going to take its toll. Because it is a principle. It's the way you work. You, nobody can flaunt it. And I believe that we see a tremendous amount of disease and emotional ill health in our nation. I think there's a lot of breakdown. We're trying to medicate and it would be healed if we would simply rest and have that time we need for God to talk to us. You know what Amer we do as Americans, particularly we Seattleites, what happens is we, we go, we don't get enough sleep, we don't take our Sabbath, we're exhausted, but we've got a solution. And so, you know where I'm going, don't you? By the way, my wife is working the um, coffee cart today <laughs> for the Kazakhstan team. We go and we take, we take this bitter, poisonous commodity called caffeine. It is. It's a poison. And when it goes into your body, your system goes, ah, get it out, and pumps adrenaline so it'll flush. And never, I won't tell you where, but it flushes to get that poison out of your system. So you have this adrenaline lift while the body flushes the poison out of your blood and then you feel strengthened and awake for the morning. So we wake up with this poison and then somewhere around 2 o'clock in the afternoon when we're feeling another letdown, rather than rest, rather than taking kind of nutrition or anything like that, we again plug in this poison, jackhammer our system up and mask the symptoms. And then when our heart doesn't have regular heartbeats and our health begins to break down, we say, where's God in all of this? I'm a Christian. We do, don't we? Isn't it cute? God's going, well, I'm getting blamed again? What, 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 what did I do this time? Oh, this really is the game we play. There is a game here. He knew we, he, he knew we needed, our, he knew our human limitations. There is, a, there is a natural cycle. When you have worked hard, when you have given out, your body goes into a recuperative kind of low curve. It's perfectly normal. There's a sense in which you and I need to embrace our weariness. Embrace, your, your emotions will drop. Your attitude can be bad. There's just a point in which you go into a rest cycle. You need to just say, don't believe a word I say for the next 24 hours. 
Boy, that'd save a lot of trouble. Pastors go into this and they always resign on Monday. They do. I mean, the district office just dreads Mondays. That's the one, oh, I gotta quit, I'm out of here. And they're in their cycle. They're in that drop, that emotional drop. God has made a place for this. God has made it. Don't mask it with caffeine or whatever else form of drug you use. Embrace it. Let God heal you. This is how he wants us to endure for the long haul. Thirdly, he knew we needed his guidance, encouragement, correction, comfort, and strength. People get confused about life. You're a human being. You're made in God's image. You're an eternal spirit. You have a sense of, 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 of you need purpose. You need to know where you're going in life while you're here on earth. You're not an animal. You're not a little working drone ant. You're a human being. And when that stuff gets ignored, and all you do is go to bed, get up in the morning, take your coffee, get to work, come home, veg for a few hours in front of the television and do it again. Something inside you dies. Your humanity's dying. And you know it's dying and that gets depressing. And then you think, I don't know how to get out of this cycle. And people lose hope. God has made provision for this. He's made provision for this for us to have a true time of rest and refreshment. There are two metaphors that the Bible uses that that, that describe our need of the Lord like this. One is in Isaiah 40. You don't need to turn there. I'll just, in the interest of time, I'll just remind you. You know the passage very well. It says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. They that are like eagles. Now, what is it about eagles that is a waiting on God. Well, the thing about eagles is they don't flap. So you see, they they ride on these updrafts, they put their wings out, and there's an invisible force supporting them. They're not flapping. Now compare that to chickens. Have Have you ever seen a chicken fly? It's an ugly event. It is really hideous. I mean, it's... And... Feathers are falling out and everything. It's amazing. I don't know how they do it. They go over here. So they're all in the flesh. It's a fleshy self-effort. Eagles ride. They put those wings out and ride on the currents of the air effortlessly. So they that wait upon the Lord endure in his presence praying. Spending time with him. Those that hang around God a lot. They're like eagles, supported by the Holy Spirit. Born by an invisible force you can't see with your eyes, but it's very real. Those people are carried. As opposed to chickens. (laughs) Jesus gives us a metaphor when he describes the vine and the branches in John chapter 15. He says, I'm the vine. I'm the main stalk in the root system. You're the branches. You are to be attached to the stalk. Because in the stalk is the, is the sap. And if you're attached, then the sap, strength, the vine branch, the branch grows and produces fruit. But if you disconnect it from the stalk, 
and there's no longer that flow of life-giving sap, the thing dries up and dies. Very clear illustration. Same kind of principle. There's this unseen thing that's going on in the center of that vine that when it's connected, you have life, and when it's disconnected, you die. We are to abide, he says. Remain, stay, continue, wait. Again, that time with him. When you're with me, when you, when you stay around me, when you're close to me, then you will produce fruit and have life in you. Back to Exodus 20, in verse 11, the last statement of that verse is this. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. By blessing it, he made it a happy day. The word blessed has to do with that. He made it a happy day, a joyful day. This should not be some day full of rules, a day you dread. It should be the sweetest day of the week. It's like, oh, hallelujah, it's my Sabbath. You should look forward to it. It should be a great joy to us and bring joy to our life. When a thing is blessed, it also is prosperous. It produces an abundance. There's a prosperity and a success, as it were, that comes out. He says, I'm going to bless that day, and it will cause your whole life to be affected. But then he, he not only blessed it, it says he made it holy there. By being holy, it means simply this, it's his. It's his day, not ours. It's set apart unto God. And he says, that's not your day. I give you six, the seventh's mine. It's not your day. It's not your day to spend any way you want. It's not for you. It's my day. It's for me. How do we have a Sabbath? How do we do this? Well, obviously, observing a Sabbath requires scheduling and discipline. But it's important to remember that we are learning to live a principle. We're living it by faith, not reimposing a law. Did you hear that? This is not a law. We don't do this to go to heaven. In fact, if you violate the Sabbath, you'll probably get to heaven sooner. So, this isn't a heaven-hell thing. We do it to love God and release his blessing. Let's make a distinction now. Grace and blessing. Grace, blessing. Grace means that we go to heaven, our sins are forgiven, no matter our failures and our weaknesses, by faith in Christ, we go to heaven. Hallelujah. Blessing means his power enters our everyday life. Many people live unnecessarily miserable and troubled lives on their way to heaven because they're ignorant of or disobedient to God's principles. Grace, blessing. I've heard people say, I don't have to do a Sabbath, I'm under grace. And you don't. You don't. But you'll miss its blessing. I don't have to tithe, I'm under grace. You don't. But you'll miss its blessing. We can go right down the line, you see that? The question is, do you just want to make it to heaven or would you like the power of God to enter your everyday life? 
to enter your finances, to enter your marriage, to enter your health? Would you like blessing? Blessing is something we do in obedience by faith. We walk in faith with God's principles. Make sure you understand what it is. If you say, I don't have to do that, you're right. But you can. And you can introduce all kinds of God's blessing into your life and family by walking in obedience and faith to the principles of God. In some cases, people blame the devil for problems that are really the result of disobedience to God's principles. People are sitting there, you know, casting out the devil and shouting at the devil, and the devil's going, what did I do? Did I do? I didn't do that. We simply are violating the fundamental principles of God. We haven't changed the oil in 90,000 miles, and we wonder why the thing's smoking. And we're casting the devil out of that car. Silly, isn't it? And exactly what people do. It's usually necessary to take off from two days a week, uh, from work, pardon me, to take off two days a week. There are repairs, cleaning, yard care, bills to pay, shopping for essentials as opposed to shopping for recreation. So one day needs to be a day for chores or active play, i.e. recreation, in order to release us to take a day off of rest. Here's four elements that need to be in a healthy life. Every life needs these elements. Work, worship, rest, and play. Work, worship, rest, and play. All four need to be in your life. And if they're lacking, we suffer for it. There's, there's damage done to us. Now, of those four, let's just do a little poll. Which is the hardest for you to, to, to find the time for? How about work? Yeah. How about worship? How about rest? Come on. Be honest. How about play? So you all do all four well? We can just close right now. I'm going through it again, and I'd like an honest response. Work, worship, rest. Come on, there now that looks like the other services. And play. Yeah, play's a hard one, isn't it? Play is a tough one. There really needs to be time somewhere in this equation for you to have fun. If life is all all work, it gets real, real grim. In order to have the time to do this, so that because there's what ends up happening in so many people's lives is they have one day off a week, and then what they do on that one day is they well you've got to you got to get the oil changed on the car, and and you've got to mow the lawn or you've got to do the laundry, you've got to iron all the clothes, you've got to you've got you've got this that you've got to go shopping. I mean there's got there's no more milk, there's no more bread, so you you go do all these things, you you work like crazy collapse into bed, and then get up in the morning and go to work. Now, you have not rested. All you did is a different kind of work. That is not rest. Or, there's the guy who has the one day, and what they do is he gets his, he gets his bass boat out, and he drives out at four in the morning to the lake, and he sits out there all day, and by the time the day is over, he's sunburned and has chap lips, and he, and he drives home. 
and he's got to put that thing and, and, and run the water through the engine and wash the herring out of the bottom of the floor and everything else and he's mosquito bit and all of that and puts the boat away. Gets in the house about 8.30 at night and falls into bed. What did he do? Well, it's a, bit, it's a debate depending on how, <laughs> how, how you view it. It's either work or it's play depending on who's doing it. And, uh, but he sure didn't rest. He sure didn't rest. And so, you know, a trip to the river isn't necessarily, it can be depending on if you're a couple of days, you take your lawn chair and you sit and have a, a really peaceful day, that, well, that's rest. You can have a, you can have a, it's just how you use it. But you've got to understand those elements, work and worship, rest and play. A Sabbath is a day of physical rest, relationship with loved ones, and quality time with God. Those are the elements that need to be there. Physical rest, really resting, embracing your weariness. Relationship with loved ones, it's a time to talk together and just spend some quality time with people you love. And quality time with God. And I suggest that it takes at least four-hour slot if you're an agitated, busy mind like me. But you need a block of time, however you do it. I just, that's my time zone. But you need enough time to really break through and have that wall go down. That's what people don't know. They'll take it for 10 minutes. They can't focus their mind and say, oh, I guess this doesn't work. No, you're still buzzed. You just, you've got to slow down. It takes a while to turn it all off. Just stay there. Read something. What, what, whatever it takes for you to draw into the Lord's presence. And that varies widely, doesn't it? You might read a book. You might, you might worship. You might pray. You might listen to worship music. Sometimes you're going to just lie there exhausted, kind of, but open your spirit and just say, Lord, I know you're here. You know, a, a good marriage, there's times you can just ride along together and be perfectly quiet, just be happy to be with each other. Same thing's true with God. You don't have to talk all the time. Some, when I've talked a while back, I know I've talked several times on Sabbath, and one, one fellow tried that thing of four hours, and he says, I tried talking to God for four hours, and I couldn't stand it. And I thought, <laughs> well, actually, I said to him, and I said, I'll bet God couldn't either. <laughs> really, it's just, that's, that's not heaven, that's hell. It, it, God, it's so... What this isn't is some deal where you read lists at God. That's terrible. That's just, that's exhausting. I mean, there's t places when you, you know, I, I have sometimes I pray through some lists of family and all, and church and all that stuff. But you can't just, just sit there and recite lists. That's not a Sabbath. It's a time for you and for him. It's a time to let God come into the day, into your life and refresh you and comfort you. Whatever helps you. So it can be, I actually think that this is the days when that, that human thing inside us, people worship God differently. Some of you are artists and, and you could paint. Painting a house is one thing. Painting a picture out there at, where you're glorifying God can be for some of us a great refreshment. And, and you can just sit there and cry while you're painting as you're close to the Lord. Or writing a poem or writing a song. 
You see, it's what, what softens your heart, what draws you close. Sometimes for me, I'll take my guitar and I'll sit and I'll write a song. And I just, just in that writing, you know, I can I express my heart to the Lord. David did that, didn't he? So you, you get in the picture? The Sabbath is a sweet time. It's the time for your humanity. It's a time to remember who you are. To quiet the nervous agitation, to catch up with yourself, to reflect on life from God's perspective. This is where the direction, I had a pastor talk to me uh, this week at the conference. And he came up for prayer and he said, I like prayer. He says, I'm distracted and distraught and unfocused. I said, tell me about your prayer life. He said, well, it's distracted, distraught and unfocused. <laughs> and I said, do you see a connection? And I said, you've got to put time with the Lord. Nobody can answer your questions. Nobody can focus you. Nobody can give you Faith, but God. You've got to put that in and then the other will come. I'll guarantee you he wasn't having a Sabbath himself. He didn't know. So here he is pastoring people, but distraught, sad, confused. He has no center himself. It's just, this is just a principle. Either change the oil or don't change the oil. But you'll pay the price if you don't. It's just, no matter who you are, pastor, whatever. Makes no difference. Time to listen for God's voice, rebuild our physical health. We don't have to talk at him for hours, reciting prayer lists. The point is to draw close to him by whatever means helps. Prayer, reading, singing, resting, thinking, maintain an active mind. There are numerous forces that will fight to prevent us from taking a Sabbath. Self-reliance is one. I simply can't take this time off. There is too much to do. The Bible says it's vain for you to rise up early, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. In other words, the blessing of God far surpasses anything you and your little efforts can accomplish. Do you want blessing? Do you want what you can produce? Blessing or what you want to produce? Entertainment. Some of us are just... Uh, now, some of us, in order to have any time for God, are going to have to turn off the television and the movies. That is... Now, come on. You know that's not refreshment. You're mentally brain dead when you're done. It's a real numbing experience. And some people are into a terrible habit. They just flop under the couch and flip that thing on and, and fade away. And that cycle's got to get snapped. You, and you may just have to fast it, as it were, you know, on your Sabbath. No, no, no entertainment. Some people can't, can't even drive down the street without the radio blaring. Or they got something on their head. They, can't, they get on a treadmill. They got to have that thing going. They, silence is deadly to them. You're going to have to come out of that terrible, noisy, American thing. This isn't in other cultures that I know of. Addiction to noise, ignorance of how to pray, spiritual opposition. The devil will always have the phone ring. You have to turn it off. There's a war inside that fears an idle day. It'll put me farther behind. It takes real faith to believe that if I rest the day a week, God will work beside me the other six and do a miracle to make up for it. We must plan ahead to schedule a Sabbath. You have to arrange your calendar. Pick a day. doesn't matter what day. There's not a holy day. You're in Christ. It's all holy in that sense. But pick your day. Sometimes for me it's Monday. Sometimes it's Tuesday. Sometimes I want to go skiing on Monday. Then I'll have my Sabbath on Tuesday. Sometimes I go my Sabbath on Monday and I go skiing on Tuesday. <laughs> skiing is not resting. But it is fun. We have to eliminate credit card debt. 
Some of us are working a couple of jobs and we cannot make the bills. And we're caught in a horrible slavery cycle of servicing our bills. One young man I talked to uh, this week, he said I, he, he was working on both his days off at another kind of job and then he was working all week and you could just watch the weariness and the sort of the sadness come over his face and into his eyes. And he's a, man, he's a young man with a lot of potential. He needs to go back to school and he needs to begin pursuing the dreams in his heart. But now he's on this treadmill where he's just got to pay his bills. It's very dehumanizing, this thing. And finally, out of just, you know, this kind of talk, he said, I'm going I'm to keep a Sabbath. And he said, I can't afford to keep a Sabbath. This is, this is nuts. And he says, and he had this discussion with his family, and, and he says, we've got to, we've no, more, no more charging on those cards. We're paying them off. We've got to get those things off our back. And he, he put them in a drawer with the bills right on top of the cards so that when you went for the card, you saw the, how much you owed. And he said, no more of that. And we're going to live simply. We're going to simplify our, our lifestyle. See, what do you want, stuff or life? You want more stuff? You know why they're marketing to you all the time, don't you? They're trying to get you to buy stuff you don't need. Do you know why they love you so much and have you on a platinum card? <laughs> because they make more interest off of you than they can make from the Fed. They're, they're, you, you become a drone ant. You are servicing them. It's a legalized form of slavery. And we have to let the word of God cut us free from this world system. And begin to say, I have enough. Or decide what's enough. I can live simply. And start having that day of, you know, where you can be quiet and think about life and, and dream and, and write the poetry and paint the picture or write the book or begin to, begin to be human again. And remember who you are. In this young man's case, what he needs to do is he needs to take a day where he can go back to school. And it may take him a while, but he needs to start, just get on his educational track. He's very bright. And he'll never be satisfied until I think he's being who he should be. Get on his track and begin to do it. Begin to dream. What's, what's happened already is hope is sprung alive. You can see his face and eyes. He's back becoming who he's supposed to be. Instead of just a drone that's servicing the credit card debt to buy more junk. The Sabbath was not made for man. It was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You weren't made to service the, the Sabbath. It was made as a gift for you out of the loving heart of God. From the very foundation of creation, he worked six days and rested seven as a model, as an example, and as a warning to you and I. That if we ignored it, we would, we would work alone. We would work alone. But that if we would rest, he would do a miracle. See, you're stepping into the miracle zone. You really can't do this without a miracle. There's too many chores, aren't there? There's too much to do. If I take my day off, I got to believe he's going to help me get this stuff done somehow. And I've seen it.
I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen stuff change and things happen and people help me, all kinds of things. I've seen the miracle flow now. I can do it. I don't do it every week by any means. I'm always interrupted by some kind of denominational thing or something. But every time I can, I come right back to my pattern and I take my Sabbath. And I take my Sabbath. And I believe it will extend my life and health, my ministry, far beyond what will happen if I ignore it. The Lord has a lovely plan for your life. He wants you to live a long time. He wants you to be strong and well. He wants you to be at peace with yourself and know why you're alive. And there's one way, really. We've got to spend time with him. And so he's made an arrangement for you to take that prolonged time and quiet down and be with him. Would you stand with me? I didn't get, make a reference. I, I didn't get a chance to say anything about mothers. The one group in this thing that has really a challenge on their hand is the mothers of small children. Here's what I would suggest. One is, if there's husband and wife in the family, dad could take them to the park for some hours and just let mom have her quiet time. If it's a single mom, couldn't some of the other families or other parents say, hey, bring your kids by for, for four hours over on, on Monday and then I'll bring my kids by your place on Thursday. Couldn't we swap and just cover one another with no charge? Just allowing each other to have Sabbaths? We could do this if we wanted to. We could make these arrangements and be a family to each other and care for each other. Grandparents, aunts and uncles could get involved and say, I'll take, yeah, I'll take, I t I'll take them uh, and let you have your time on, on Thursday afternoon. I can do that. Wouldn't that be a sweet thing to do? We could be brothers and sisters and family to each other. It's not a law. You're not under a law. You don't have to do this. You go to heaven without it. But you may say, I'm getting tired of life without this. I'm getting tired of being dry. I'm getting tired of living all the time tired. I'd like to change that. Then there's a principle. You can walk by faith and you'll see the miracle of it. I promise you. Holy Spirit, today, as we hear the word of God, thank you for letting us hear it accurately, but not with confusion from the enemy of making this a law that God's going to get angry at me and zap me because I don't do this. Lord, forbid a, we turn this into a legalistic system, but would you give us the eyes to see that you want to spend time with us, that we need to rest and that you will do a miracle? Would you give us the gift of faith to really believe that you would care for the undone things? You'd provide for the unearned salary. That you would do a miracle so we can spend this time. I pray, Father, for that great rest and that peace and that strength. I pray for fresh guidance. I pray for joy. We just pray for that as we gather in your presence on our Sabbath days and learn to love you more and to love one another more. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and receive this. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. 
There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written. 